0: boom (laughs) run run the tape nick what's going on
1: hey bro not much how you doing
0: good 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 let's talk sacrament bro
1: yeah
0: it's theology a
1: sacramentology
0: sacramentology you mean you mean,
1: you mean the or, you mean the ordinances though no
0: don't you, right? i mean the
1: sacraments why do you say sacraments aren't you a baptist because i'm a roman
0: catholic <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, no no I, my brother coined a new term i'm a luthero baptist oh
1: i heard that one
0: <laughs> yeah did you cool yeah i like it luthero baptist it's just yeah. that little twang on the baptist you know you got a little bit of a sacramental thing going, you got a little two kingdom thing going. You I know? like it because
1: the whole word Baptist is there, but only half of Lutheran. <laughs> That's
0: right. <laughs> and the whole and the whole Baptist Arian thing was getting a little crazy. I just didn't like to have to explain that I wasn't an Arian Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I'm. you know, the idea is to communicate that I'm a, like a, a Baptist Presbyterian, but no, 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 uh, it was going rogue on me. So Lutheran Baptist is is just you can't mess with that. It's it's bulletproof. Yeah. Um, totally. So um, sacramentology. I mean, like, dude, this is uh definitely not a, a commonly held. Well, look, I mean, what what I like about what Sam Renihan has, uh, what what he's what he does, and what he's constantly doing, is he's scouring all the all the old stuff to, um, you know, to show that the great majority of the early Baptists, um, the 1689 guys, um, held to or used the word sacrament and uh, at least understood it uh, in the sense that the Presbyterians did. Um, you know, so they had a high church view. They weren't pietists is basically the, the, the deal um so yeah yeah, i mean like it's it it might it might have let
1: let me put the let me put the question to you then what is the difference between in reformed sacramentalism Mm -hmm. and roman catholic sacramentalism
0: right well i'm so glad you asked nick um (laughs) (laughs) so roman catholic sacerdotalism is a better word for it i think You know um it's just like hey there's 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 magic in the in the water there's magic in the in the bread as in uh you know not only have you got the transubstantiation thing going on there but you actually uh, as the priest administers the water to on the baby's forehead um you have grace in the water that that infuses into the child and that the grace is really in and truly administered through the water itself um, without regard for faith or or um, or any of the things that Protestants hold dear, so you know th- there's that, and of course um, Lutherans are, you know, they've broken away from some of that, but uh, with with the consubstantiation, and I mean, they have kept a lot of it, and are way too uncomfortable for for anything in the Protestant realm, in my in my uh, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, really, we're when we're talking about sacraments, we're thinking about it in a thoroughly Reformed sense, uh, only in that the Reformers did not want to, you know, there was a the big debate in the Reformation. They didn't want to completely think of Zwingli's view as as that which kind of got everything on the table. Like there, there was something about what Jesus said about him being present to us through those uh, sacraments that, that was important to them. And uh, they wanted to hold on to that, but not let go of Sola fide uh, or any of the, the Reformed doctrines. And so we end up with a Reformed sacramental view. So I, maybe the best way to just come back at that question is just to say, I think it probably is worth talking about Roman Catholicism as sacerdotalism and uh, everything else is sacramentalism. And then maybe you have an ordinance uh, kind of Baptist view, which is just the memory itself or the Zwinglian view. Uh, maybe just for yeah. just working definitions for the purpose of discourse.
1: I think I heard Wayne Grudem talk about a, a form of Baptist that said the presence of Christ is everywhere. Ex- Have you heard of that one?
0: So you cut out the presence like of the Christ is uh, what?
1: the presence of Christ is everywhere except the Lord's supper.
0: Oh, really? Wow. No, I haven't <laughs> heard of that one. <laughs> Yeah. So what do you believe?
1: So uh, I suppose a little history would be helpful. Um, Mm -hmm. I was a Zwinglian. Uh Um, I was a memorialist. Uh I was a Baptist. Mm -hmm. Because essentially that was the theology that I had come from and adopted in my smells Roman Catholic anything that even resembles Roman Catholicism I cannot touch mm. if you it's not a Christian if you, John Calvin was going to hell Martin Luther was going to hell everyone was going to hell because of their the Roman Catholic Church right so that was my fundamentalist beginning and so when it came to the Lord's Supper it's obviously own the theology said. So there's definitely no presence of Jesus. We're just here to pray and give thanks and have more, more deeply in church history. And I suppose what really turned my mind was preaching through one Corinthians. Mm. Uh, one Corinthians verse fourteen to twenty-two talks about a participation in the blood mm. of Christ. Mm. Participation, you know. Let me just read the verse. Mm the cup of blessing that we bless so this is verse 16 mm-hmm. is it not a participation in the blood of christ yeah and that that freaked my little fundamentalist brain out okay <laughs> <laughs> the bread that we break is it not a participation in the body of christ yeah you know oh so that that just blew my mind and of course the the word participation yeah People would say, well, you know, it could be participation it could be like, you know, I'm participating in an external, non-spiritual, it's it's just by association. Mm. It doesn't have to be a spiritual thing. But what convinced me from the context is um, verse 21. Mm-hmm. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Mm. And so what Paul is Is that there is a spirituality about the Lord's table, mm-hmm. which he is comparing to? If we, we we went into an idol's temple and participated in demonic, we had contact with with the demonic through worshiping an idol. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, that even helped. That that even helped me understand what Paul meant by participation. So when yeah. I'm eating, let's say I go to a an, let's say I go to a, a, an idol's temple, mm-hmm. and I. eat, demon no but am i having some sort of spiritual contact with forces that are of the lord's supper am i literally eating body and blood like the lutherans and the Catholics say? no hmm. but there is a koinonia that's more than mere external association hmm. so yeah that's that's the text that sort of uh brought me over to the other side
0: yeah totally amen and um, you know just on that note I mean that's really well, you know a lot of people will ask me alright so what exactly are you saying about this whole sacramental deal I mean like what what is the what is the thing you know like what, what are you what am I missing out on and I think the conversation does really—I mean—it it extends to so much of Pietistic versus Reformation thinking and High Church, Low Church stuff, and there's a whole big framework of of ideas that need to be dealt with to really grasp what we're saying here. But but just that verse, what what it does is it just it, it emphasizes the thing at the heart of it. In that Jesus has promised to be with His church and has promised to do that in certain ways, and one of the one of the main texts for me is the Great Commission. Um, that's what blew my mind, you know. It just, uh, it, you know, I think, yeah, I can't remember where I first heard this, but basically, um, you have Jesus there promising, within the context of a church ordinance, a church teaching. It's like a, you know, baptizing teaching. The whole thing is all about the church. Uh, that he will he will be with us even till the end of the age, and uh, there, there's a promise of his presence there. But it, the, the whole thing is, again, just works itself out in the Book of Acts in that you know people are, are being baptized, they're hearing the gospel, they're coming into the church, they're devoted to apostolic teaching, they're partaking of the bread, uh, and, and you know immediately Christ's commission starts wor- getting worked out in ways that um, give us a, a visible. Um, uh, inkling as to what, what it is that, that the apostles themselves understood by what Jesus was saying, and, and even more what, what Jesus himself intended by his providence uh, in working the church out. And you see there very much a, a church slash sacrament idea. Like you, you, you hear the gospel, you hear the word, basically, and you respond with the first yes. entry sacrament. And, and that's baptism. And then you keep hearing the word. And you keep responding with the sacrament, although that's the ongoing sacrament, not the entry sacrament. But the idea there is 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 simply that um, Christ is in every one of these moments with his church, uh, showing his presence through the preaching of the gospel. I mean, we know, of course, that uh, text in Romans that speaks of, you know, where Paul tells... Um, tells the people how how will they year unless we send someone and you know how will they and, and he relates the preaching of the missionary to the preaching of Christ. And so there you've got this like presence of Jesus through the Word and the presence of Jesus through the sacrament, and the presence of Jesus then all the way through to the end of the age as the church meets. So you know together with with things like uh, the, the text you just mentioned and our participation, um, you know what we—you've got something that's more than a memory, as Barcelos puts it. You know, it's—it's it's not just—it's um, not just that we. And I think here's the power of it. You know, that sometimes when you come to church and you're very, very disheveled, and you're very distracted, and you're very—you um, know, just maybe even sick or under the weather or whatever it is—and um, you just are not remembering very well that day. You know, it's not that you don't believe, or it's not that you're rejecting Christ. Uh, what an amazing thought it is that that Christ is present with you, and as surely as you hold the bread and eat it and drink the cup, that with that same surety, Christ is is present with you, um, and and you know there is an objectivity to that that's just you know beyond yourself and and more than you can um, conjure up, and so you know I suppose that leads us to the question: What do we mean by Christ being present with us? Because I know that's where perhaps things get a little bit different. Uh, in sacramentology, when you t- think of the Lutheran, uh, yeah, so, I mean Christ that was
1: that was the big debate, wasn't it? You yes, know, the big debate uh, was uh, you know the big question was how is Christ present? The Roman Catholics transubstantiation, mm. Luther consubstantiation, and this is where Calvin really brought in ways that because uh, it was just getting bogged down. Mm. Uh, And he brought in these two notions. The one was union with Christ and the coming from heaven to earth to be present at the table. Mm -hmm. How does that union take place? By virtue of the Holy Spirit, sacrament, visible word, the Lord's table. And we have faith in our hearts, nourished by our head, which is in heaven. Mm -hmm. And we have literal benefit from his literal humanity. It's just the resurrected humanity. And the benefits of that resurrected humanity are made ours by the Holy Spirit um, so the Holy Spirit is the conduit uh, the Holy Spirit is the uh, the one who connects mm. heaven and earth mm. Christ doesn't come down he raises us up as it were yeah mm. what are your thoughts on that
0: yeah I mean I love it because you know and one of the things just practically as well you know and I say this often to people that ask me but um, you know I, f- I really believe this that, that you know perhaps in a day when we didn't have the Bible you um, you know, as, as a printed sort of book that you could go and buy. Um, but you had to go to church to hear the, 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 you know, someone who had access to the full word of God who would study it and preach it. And there was a real sense of motivation to go right. Um, just at a, a purely pragmatic level. Yeah. Um, and then, and then I suppose we started to, the, the Gutenberg press comes along and that's great. We all got the Bible. Amen. But, uh, you know, I suppose maybe that that started fracturing things a little bit in that people felt less, less, um, uh, of the necessity to get to a place. I mean, they used to have big King James Bibles like chained to the church and you, you'd you come and read it. And, you know, it, it, things like that obviously are, are so weird to us because everyone has a Bible. If you don't have it in a book, you have it in uh, on an app. And then, you know, so the ubiquity of of the actual uh, the Bible itself it has has been something that's changed the dynamics of going to church a little bit and that people have, it's almost, um, it's it's created or it's nourished or nurtured a, a, a you and your Bible mentality and really church is kind of uh, on the side. Um And then to add it to the mix, you've got, of course, the internet and and sermon downloads and audio recordings, which I remember like Lloyd-Jones was just completely against uh, because he kind of foresaw that this was going to detract from from people, you know, coming to hear the word. You know, now, and, and we know it. I mean, we know that now you can get The best preacher, whoever you want, you can just download your favorite sermons and your favorite topics, and you can just rack them up. But so on Sunday, you've got your own Bible, you can you know sing your own songs, you can um, hang out with people, even you can find ways to connect with people. That's not even that hard to do. Uh, So you can have fellowship. You can you know you're whatever. Um, sermons you want. And and what we're saying here is, uh, you know, I think very, very profound in terms of why you still must go to church and why if you don't go to church, you will not meet with Christ in the same way. Um, I mean, it's a very controversial point, but it's, it's, it's almost like built into the design behind Uh, you know, Jesus's conception of the church and why it's necessary. And, and, you know, it wasn't just uh, that we could, um, you know, find information and find fellowship. It's that he would meet us in a certain way every week, uh, which is just it just totally changes everything when you get that. It's not then it truly is not. About the you know the the vibe at the church or the sermon uh, you know whether it was like the the top ten you've ever heard or whatever it's it's literally that like you've gone and and you by faith receive this these promised means that that, that uh, assure you of Christ's presence having operated on your soul from from an external Amen. perspective I mean it's it's just a totally different thing isn't it
1: You know it says in Ephesians four that Christ ascended. And then he gave gifts to men. Mm. Oh, gifts, awesome. You look under the Christmas tree, what's the shape of the gifts? Is it a bicycle? What shape are the gifts? They're all office bearers, and they're all teachers. Wow. You know, authority and ministers of the word. Mm. There's the shape of the gifts. And as the word is spoken in love, the body grows. Mm. And this is how the head nourishes the body. Mm. This is how the the gifts are given. Mm. So, yeah, definitely. Amen. Man,
0: it's so cool. And, you know, there's so much to talk about. I think this, you know, again, as we said a little bit earlier, it's just the way this is not the landscape of Christianity today. You know, um, they don't think like this. And, you know, if you think about how important this is, even in just what, what you've just said in terms of, you know, building the church to its level of maturity. And, I mean, you know, I mean, to not to not take hold of these truths is going to have some very, very adverse effects on, on the church, and we're seeing it. And yeah, it's almost like you could relate this in, in, in so many different directions. But maybe that's enough just for now, just to, just to get people thinking along these lines. And I don't know if you've ever thought of um, sacramentalism before, or if you've uh, perhaps as a Reformed Baptist, maybe you're at a church where, you know, the word ordinance is preferred, <laughs> and uh, uh, very much things are just a memory. Well, maybe this is just a, a little bit of a, a, you know, just a pride saying, check it out, um, go, go look at the reformed heritage that, um, yeah. you know, and really biblical heritage at the end of the day, they fought hard for this. This was really the pulse of, of the intramural debate, you know, in the, in the Reformation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and they, they're not just, they didn't do it for no reason. This was important. And um, they were really trying to work it out, much more so than we try today. So you, you owe it to yourself to check this out properly. Yeah,
1: and uh, it's fully relevant uh, relevant to the two kingdoms thing. The powers of the age to come are oh, present
0: in the yes. sacraments. Oh wow, totally! Oh my goodness, that is you know, and even just the reformed two kingdom thing. In that, you know, you don't have that in Lutheran two kingdom theology as much, but you do have it in reformed two kingdom theology. We we do believe that we believe that the church and the sacred yeah. sphere of activity is 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 where the kingdom is manifest. And um, yeah, it's a powerful, powerful concept. Um, so I definitely want to come back and talk about that some more, but let's leave it at that because that uh, hopefully is, is just helpful <laughs> as, as an intro because I know it's pretty mind-blowing. The first, you know, the first time you hear it, you're like, oh, what? Uh, you know, that's just, uh, it, it definitely throws yeah. you back into the books. But but um, one book that was good, maybe just a few book recommendations. Uh, More Than a Memory, uh, Richard Barcellos is good, and I like the way it's concise, and it, it sticks to Corinthians, and it really just does a good job there. Um, Kelvin, of course, you could read. Um, it's just going to be a lot harder.
1: I learned the most from Nick Needham. Yeah, um, his church history okay. so good on any of these sorts of discussions at any point in church history. If you can just pick up his church history volumes so and just true. dig in on the Lord's Supper mm. and its major points of development, incredibly. Helpful.
0: Yeah, that's true. And that book is—I mean—his yeah. church history is is amazing. So yeah, just get that anyway. Well, cool. We'll we'll come back to that. I'm sure that's going to be a big one. In fact, I do want to just spend a, maybe a like a month or so down the line, just kind of focusing on that basic dynamic, just contrasting uh, pietism. and. Um, in fact, maybe we're getting some. We're coming up to ten thousand downloads so maybe for like a celebration on the around that period we should get all of us (laughs) together because i know we all want to talk about that and um we should we should get us all together hopefully by that time i have fiber wi-fi as well so i'm not like you know twirling twigs together to make a fire to make internet um and uh and so you know hopefully we can have a good discussion around that one so that'll be that'll be legendary and epic
1: we'll have to make a date
0: totally yeah all right but thanks a million nick appreciate it bro
1: Yeah man, take it easy.